I want to invite everyone to open their Bibles to the book of Ephesians. As we continue through in Ephesians, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 5 this week. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 21. How many of you like risks? And, And what I mean is, how many of you like taking risks? And how many of you like avoiding risks? I'm the kind of guy who loves taking risks. My philosophy on life is high risk, high reward. If there's no danger involved, then it's probably not worth it for me. Uh, but the thing about risk is that sometimes that's not always rewarding. Sometimes you just get hurt in the end. And the thing is, though, I don't have the same philosophy about work. Uh, when it comes to work, I want it to be something I'm good at, and I still want high reward. So like low risk, high reward. It's really easy to come by, isn't it? Well, that's why one of my first jobs as a teenager was a lifeguard. I wanted low risk, high reward. Being a teenager, not thinking, I let my friends convince convince me that they work at the pool. It's like, dude, you just hang out at the pool all day. We eat a bunch of snacks. We watch movies. Not the ones who are on the stand. The ones who are off the stand are inside in the office watching movies. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. So it never actually occurred to me that I might actually have to save somebody. Well, the opportunity for me came one day. And all I remember is I'm sitting on the stand and I'm, I'm watching all these people swim. And all of a sudden I hear this guy yell at me, he's like, lifeguard. And he's pulling this little girl out of the water and she's unconscious. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my adrenaline spikes. And so I jump in the water. This other lifeguard gets there and, and he performs CPR on her and everything. And she's fine. She She recovers. But the whole time I'm sitting there thinking... I don't want to be in this situation. I don't want to be right here, right now. Felt like I was in the right place at the wrong time. Have you ever felt like that? You just don't want to be here? I feel like that's like the year 2020 for everybody. Like, we're in the right place, but this is like the wrong time to be alive. I feel like the year 2020 is that guy who sells pocket watches out of his coat and he says, look at my wares, you know, why don't you need a problem? I have them for you. Except he doesn't wait for us to purchase them. He just gives us his problems. And so I, I ask, like, why do I have to live in such a time as this? Like, why do I have to live like during a pandemic during this tumultuous time in our country's history? Like, why? The answer occurred to me the other day that there's no such thing as the wrong time in the way that God works. There's no such thing as as wrong time. He has us where we are, when we are, for a purpose. And that purpose is not a mystery. It's quite simple, actually. Walk in Christ. Walk in Christ. You are here at this time to show the world what it means to walk with the Lord of the universe even when it seems like that universe is falling apart. You are here at this time to show the world what it means to walk with the Lord of the universe. So, Do you wonder what God's will is for your life? What is God's will for my life? Well, the answer is right here in this passage. 
So what I'd like to do today is unpack the, the different aspects of what it means to walk in Christ. So let's read Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and, and in, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully how, how, then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul begins this passage with an exhortation, and that initial exhortation is, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So remember in the previous passage, Paul has just told us about how we have this new nature. So, so now, Paul says, because you have a new nature, imitate God. Easy enough, right? But, but he, says, he says this, be imitators of God as beloved children. I've mentioned a lot already um, about how... Willa's favorite thing to do right now is to imitate us. Like she loves to imitate us in words and in noises. And, and sometimes we'll just have this full conversation where we just say hi, back and forth. Hi, 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 hi. We'll just do it back and forth for a long time and it's great. But other times, Mallory and I will be watching TV uh, and we'll laugh at something on the TV and she'll just start laughing like boisterously, like ha ah, ha ha, like with us, like she totally understands uh, what's going on. It's really cute. Um, she has no idea what she's laughing at, but she knows we're laughing, so she wants to laugh too. The thing about Willa imitating us, though, is that, is that as much as she enjoys imitating us and what we do and what we say, I don't think it compares with how much joy we take in it. Like, I think we get a lot more joy from Willa trying to imitate us these ways than, than she actually enjoys it. And so that's why I think this exhortation, be imitators of God, says a lot more about God than it, than it does us. God is a father, 
who delights over his children who imitate him. Zephaniah 3 says, God will rejoice over you with singing. And Paul saying, imitate this God. This God. So how? Paul says in verse 2, walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the question is, what does it mean to walk in love? What does it mean to walk in Christ? So first, walk in purity. Walk in purity. Paul says in verse 3, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. So the first thing about walking in Purity is, is purity in desire. Purity in desire. So the first two things that Paul names here, sexual immorality and all impurity, signify all the um, lusts and the passions that we have in our flesh. So they, they signify this wanton giving yourself over to something that you, that you want, that you crave. And especially sexual cravings. And this word sexual immorality, Immorality actually like doesn't refer to just one thing. It refers to like everything that occurs outside of the relationship of a husband and wife. So everything. So think of of porn, of lust, adultery, and, and fornication. All of those things fall into this category. And so, so what that means is the person who gives into heterosexual lust is the same amount of sinner who practices homosexual lust. They're under the same category. And they all start with this third thing that Paul puts in here. Sexual morality, all impurity, or covetousness. They all start with a greedy heart. The heart that looks at what they have and says it's not enough. Solomon writes in in Proverbs about the the thief who steals bread. and, And they're like, okay... People will have compassion on a thief if he steals bread because he's hungry. He steals out of his need, even though he still has to be punished for it. But he says, a man who commits adultery is senseless. Why? The thief who steals for bread because he's hungry steals what he doesn't have. The guy who commits adultery is senseless because he already has what he tries to steal. The greedy heart is one that says, what I have is not enough, and it looks for more and more and more. And it can never be satisfied. And the, the thing about these things is we might look out at, at this congregation and be like, well, I don't think that's necessarily a problem here. But the, the thing is that these things are so insidious and dangerous, Paul says they must not even be named among God's people. Don't even name them. That's what Paul is getting at when he says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, right? Last week, we kind of talked about what foolish talk and, and built what our words needing to build somebody up was about. But the point is here that the more lighthearted you are about something, the less seriously you take it and the more likely you are to do it. As a teenager, I, I did things that I never thought I would do be, simply because me and my friends joked about them. Eventually, it just became something that we did. The thing about it is this commandment reminds us that we're really good at, at downplaying or, or renaming sin. Right? So a strip club is called a gentleman's club. 
right? Or, uh, or maybe a, a, your porn addiction is just, is just a minor struggle. We're really good at, at downplaying and not naming these things for what they are, but you can't downplay or manage sin, right? A tumor in one part of your body is a threat to the rest of your body. What does Paul say the opposite of this kind of behavior is, this kind of speech, this crude joking? He says in verse 4, but instead let there be thanksgiving. You can't want what you don't have if you're already thankful for what you do have. Paul has a sobering warning about this in verse 5. He says, for you may be sure, you may be absolutely sure of this. That everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Sexual immorality and greed are fundamentally incompatible with the kingdom of God. And this warning, this warning is not for people who are repentant, who stumble into these things. This warning is for people who persists in these sins without shame or repentance. But the thing about this is doing these things will actually lead to more hardness about them. So you may not be cavalier about it, but actually doing it will lead to you being cavalier about it. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 5, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Do whatever it takes to go to war with sin, especially covetousness and sexual immorality. Do whatever it takes. Throw away your computer. Get rid of Facebook. Share an email account with your wife. Get an accountability program. Do whatever it takes to kill sin, especially sexual immorality and covetousness. John Owen famously said, Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Walk in purity. Walk in purity. Me and Mal were joking this week about something that happened to us. I don't, I don't know if, if um, you guys had this experience, but when we were younger and we would go on road trips with our parents, it was always this big deal about turning the light on while they were driving at night. Like, so if you turn the light on, it's like, I can't see, turn that light on. You know, it's this big deal. And we don't understand that. Like, like we can see just fine. And I don't know, so maybe something when you turn 40, you guys can explain that to me later. But it's ironic because, because, the point of light is to make things more visible, right? The point of light is to help you see even more clearly. And so uh, that's why the second aspect of walking in Christ is walk in light. Walk in light. Paul says in verse 7, uh, regarding all of this, he says, Therefore, do not become partners with them. With those who joke about and practice sexual morality. So this is especially true today because we live in a hyper-sexualized culture. That wants to make sexual immorality look good. 
wants to make it look appealing and appetizing. And so do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Notice that Paul doesn't say, like, you had darkness, or you participated in darkness, you were darkness. But now, now, what does he say? Now you are light in the Lord. Your fundamental identity has changed. And walking in the light means your associations change. Yes, yes, absolutely we are to be friends of sinners like Jesus was and is. Absolutely, we should have relationships with them. In fact, we're doing it wrong if we don't have relationships with lost people and with sinners. But Christians are supposed to be distinct. At some point, you and your associations and friendships with lost people, you're going to be weird and set apart and not cool. It's what following Jesus is about. Now, I get trying to be relatable, but... The world doesn't need more relatableness. The world needs more holiness. And one way or other, one way or other, your identity, this identity of yours is going to produce fruit. It's not the other way around. It's not your fruit leading to a new identity. It's your identity, who you are, leading to your fruit. So Paul says, walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. What Paul has in mind here is the fruit of light is everything that he's been saying so far in Ephesians and what he will say. But, but we also have a really clear picture of what fruit is in Galatians, right? The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Paul writes there, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If someone claims to be a Christian or to care about Christian values or writes about Christian things, but they don't display this fruit, then that entire claim is put into question. There's lots of guys on the internet right now that, that make a living off making vitriolic and angry articles and they claim to write from the Spirit of Christ, but the Spirit of Christ is not an angry spirit. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. When we got our dog Finn, we, the person, we, we didn't know, but it should have been evident to us when we got him, but the person told us he was a full-blooded Australian shepherd. Awesome. Well, it didn't take long for us to figure out, well, he's not actually full-blooded Australian shepherd. And it's the same, it's the same with fruit. It should be evident and plain. It should be hard to find this kind of fruit in someone's life. So walking in the light, you produce the fruit of light, but also walking in the light means finding out what is pleasing to the Lord. Paul says this, he says, discern what is pleasing to the Lord. This means, this assumes that we don't automatically know what that is. Right? When we're born again, we're not born with like this whole set of new knowledge of what pleases the Lord. We have to continually discern what that is. 
We have to grow in that. So everything that we might claim that is pleasing to the Lord or whether we assume we are following the Christ must be measured against what Scripture actually says. This is what it means to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. It's to make the measure of your thoughts Scripture. What does Scripture say? And it's a continual, lifelong renewing our minds through Scripture. But what this also means is that it's got to be the Lord that we're trying to please. Not somebody else, not a a spouse, uh, not a friend, not, not family, trying to please the Lord and not man. And this means that at some point, you're going to be unpopular because following the Lord is oftentimes an unpopular thing. Not just among unbelievers, but among people who claim to follow Christ. Finally, walking in light. So it means walking in light um, means you'll produce fruit, but also walking in light means living in integrity. Look at, look at what Paul says in verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. What's the opposite of visibility? Hiddenness, right? Secrecy. Visibility is the opposite of hiding. Hiding something. So, so hiding means doing one thing in front of someone or one group of people, but doing an entirely different thing when you're alone or in your thoughts, in your heart. That's hypocrisy. So the danger here is to have the veneer of religious activity and religious moralism, but, but you, who you are in your thoughts and in the places people can't see you is who you truly are. That's what living in the darkness means. You don't want people to find out. So you cover it up. And what this means is that Christians are people who are not afraid of the light. In fact, we love the light. We want to live in the light, A, because I want to be the same person as I am in every place. So who I am at home, who I am in my thoughts, who I am around uh, other people, I want to be the same everywhere. But it also means, it also means, I want more of my sin exposed. A hypocrite doesn't want their sin exposed. The hypocrite inside all of us, by the way, all of us have hypocrites inside us. And so when our sin is exposed, what do we do? We get angry. We start to justify our anger. A hypocrite doesn't want his sin exposed, but walking the light means we want it exposed. That's what Paul means by this when he quotes, it's, it's, it's a hymn. A lot of uh, scholars think this is an old Christian hymn. It says, verse 14, Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What this is a reference to is the conversion of the Christian you were once dead, right? Oh, you're sleeping in death and, and Christ calls on you and he says, awake, O sleeper, and Christ will shine on you. 
We were once dead, but have been awakened by Christ, apart from the old way of death and live in the new life of light. So walking in Christ means walking in the light. Being exposed, being visible. I wish that this, we have a, a light on the front of our house. And um, I don't know what happened when the guy broke into my truck, but you know the light's supposed to automatically go off, right? And he's exposed. He's exposed. So walking in Christ means walking in light. Walk in purity. Walk in light. Finally, walk in wisdom. One of the most beautiful places in the world that I've ever been is Banff, Canada. Uh, and I don't, it's Western Canada, and it's the Upper Rockies. And it seems like from south to north, just the more north you go in the Rockies, just the more majestic and beautiful they come. I mean, snow-capped, tall, wonderful mountains, lakes and rivers as blue as the sky, uh, pine and fir forests that smell like Christmas trees. It's so awesome. But what amazed me about this place, well, one of the things that amazed me was how many people, when they would go to a waterfall or go to an overlook, is not actually look at what they're looking at, but the whole time take pictures of what they're looking at. It seems like people are in such a hurry to preserve the experience rather than actually experience it. We've forgotten what it means to to slow down and be intentional. So that's what kind of like what Paul has in mind here. He says in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. In other words, the Christian is not someone who is thoughtless or unintentional about how they live or about how they use their moments. And Paul tells us how, verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So what Paul is doing is he's, he's making two related contrasts here. There's the contrast between wisdom and foolishness, right? We have that contrast, but there's also a contrast between wine and the Spirit. And so, when Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, he's begging the question, who or what controls you? When someone is drunk with wine, they're controlled by wine. But when you're filled with the Spirit, He controls you. So the Christian, it's not just wine here that, that we should focus on, the Christian is not to be controlled by anything but the Spirit. The thing about the foolish, though, in Scripture, if you read throughout Scripture and you read about fools, is they never stop to ask this question. They never stop to ask who or what controls me. They don't pause to consider their ways. So Solomon writes in Proverbs 14.8, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. But the folly of fools is deception. 
The wise actually consider what they're doing, but fools only deceive themselves more and more about what they're doing. All right, he just writes a few verses down, Proverbs fourteen fifteen. A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. The path of the foolish is littered with assumptions. Littered with assuming this or assuming this. Assuming this is right, assuming this is wrong. To walk in wisdom is to consider carefully whether we are walking in the will of the Lord. His his revealed will. Right? When it says discern what the Lord's will is, this is His will. His revealed will. This is what we use to discern what is good and right. You'll often hear the term carpe diem. I don't know if you've ever heard the term carpe diem. It's Latin. It's and. There's not a lot of people who know Latin, but a lot of people know carpe diem. And it means seize the day. Seize the day. And, and obviously when people say that, they mean like live life to the fullest. So, so don't waste your life, but, but take pleasure. Find something that you enjoy doing and take pleasure in it. But for scripture, carpe diem looks like this. Verse 19. Addressing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Seize the day by singing songs, giving thanks, and submitting to one another. That's how you seize the day. One thing that about singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is that we must be intentional about what we sing. Right? We don't want to just sing any old song or whatever. We want to sing songs that are uplifting and scriptural. Um, and not just the reason we sing is because we, God is so great. We don't want to just talk about Him. We want to sing about Him and sing to Him. And, and what the thing the thing about singing or singing is that it has an uncanny ability to take <laughs> singing 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 is that it has an uncanny ability to take our eyes off of ourselves, especially psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It takes the eyes off of ourselves. And 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 what does Paul say too? Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart. But he says addressing one another. In psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. When we sing together, we minister to one another. That's why corporate worship is so important. It's not just us in our individual seats singing to God. We're singing with one another to one another. Seize the day by singing. Seize the day by giving thanks. Giving thanks is really hard because the, the thing about giving thanks is we're often focused on what's wrong or we're focused on ourselves or what we want. But often the remedy for thanklessness, feeling thankless, is actually like giving thanks. Stopping, pausing, and considering how good something actually is. That's hard work. It's easy to gripe on something when it's not good, when you don't feel it's good or if it's bad or not good enough. But to live wisely, to to live each day in wisdom is to stop, think about how good 
things are and to give thanks. So singing, giving thanks, lastly, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another means serving one another. Considering other people's interests as more important than your own. That's exactly what Paul was at the beginning. He said in in chapter 5, verse 2, Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Jesus says in Mark, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christian, when we submit to one another, when we serve one another, we're following in the footsteps of Christ. This is very different from how the world would seize the day. This is very different from how the world would live its life. But this is what it means to walk in wisdom. Walk in purity. Walk in light. Walk in wisdom. The thing is though, we dwell this new nature and this new nature. We have this new identity, but oftentimes we stray back into the darkness. We stray back into impurity. So Christ is our purity when we fail in purity. Your, your true purity remains untouched in Christ. Christ is our light when we, we stumble in darkness. You might stray in the darkness. You might stumble in the darkness. But Christ never strayed for you. And Christ is our wisdom when we are led astray in foolishness. Ultimately, the reason we want to sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to each other, the reason we want to sing to God is because Christ is the reason that we sing. He gives us His Spirit freely. Don't don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is one of joy. If you think about it, the reason people get drunk with wine is because they want to be joyful. They want to sing. That's why we get drunk with wine. We want to sing, but wine wears off. But be filled with the Spirit and you will sing. And you will sing and you will sing. And And Christ gives us the Spirit freely, generously, abundantly. How much more will the Father in Heaven give the Spirit to those who ask Him? This is His will for you. He does not will for you to walk in darkness. And so when it seems like it seems like the battle against walking in darkness or impurity or whatever is, is impossible or hard, Christ's will for you is to walk this way. So bank, bank your prayers and your walk on this. This is what you tell me, Lord, in your word, so help me to do this, or else your very character is at stake. Your word is at stake. This passage changes when we understand that we are light right now. You're not, in Christ, you're not darkness. You you are light right now. Right now, you are eternally loved by the Father as His children, who sings over your imitating Him. So walk as His children. 
walk as his children. Willa doesn't know words right now, but I love it when she imitates us. Walk in Christ. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, one of the hardest things to believe is that you truly love us. It's the way we deceive ourselves because we think our sin is too much for you. We think we've sinned for the last time. It's the lie that the devil whispers in our ear that you don't truly love us. But God, you love us with an eternal, passionate, and divine love. You rejoice over us with singing. You delight over your children who walk in obedience to you. And our our standing in you is secure. You rejoice in us forever and fully and finally because of Christ. Because you have supplied the obedience that we needed to be right with you. You've supplied the justification, the righteousness that is already ours. And so as your children, as, as new children learning to walk and stumbling and learning to speak and not being able to say words correctly, God, you rejoice over us. Not because of, not because of our obedience and not, you don't not delight over us because of our disobedience. You delight over us because of who you have made us to be in Christ. So, Father, as your children, as adopted children, help us to walk in Christ. Help us to imitate you and to walk in purity, to avoid and to fight sexual impurity and covetousness. Help us to walk in the light and to expose our sin and and to, Lord, repent of hypocrisy in our hearts. Help us, God, to walk in wisdom. To sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Help us to sing to you and to one another. Give us thankful hearts. Help us to serve God. Because the days are evil. And you are good. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.